what your country can do for you. There's a last time I've got to be in the lead. The Giants have the Peter, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 52 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. I'm sure I've already mentioned a couple of times how when I was cataloging both mine and my dad's record collections, I kept finding his records in my collection and vice versa. Well, this album was part of my collection for most of the last four decades. So let's jazz up this end of the year's Christmas episode with volume 52, Blues for Baby Jesus.
James Lord Pierpont was a New England songwriter, arranger, organist, Confederate States soldier, and composer, best known for writing and composing Jingle Bells in 1857, originally titled The One Horse Open Sleigh. He was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and died in Winter Haven, Florida. Okay, why this album? Well, my dad has a ton of Christmas music in his collection, and I happened to fall in love with this album the first time I heard it back in the early 1970s. I would drive my mother crazy this time of year when I would just keep dropping the needle down on that first side over and over. I was mesmerized at the time by how different this familiar music could sound. In fact, it's probably the most important piece of vinyl in my progression from just enjoying rock and roll and, okay, some pop, to understanding and appreciating the jazz genre. And I like this record so much, I kept borrowing it from my dad's collection over the years, especially when I did Christmas party gigs as a mobile DJ. And I remember him finally giving in and just telling me to keep it. But I have once again and finally deposited it back into the collection it belongs to. All right, next up is the most depressing kind of blues this time of year. the wine with people all around me their joy seems to remind me that you are gone sad to be alone at Christmas time when I walk the street I always find noisy crowds with their laughter They reflect all the rapture 
that I know. Glory to the highest rings out loud and clear. It echoes in the empty home since you are no. A home at Christmas time, presents on the floor are always mine. The Christmas tree with shining light, it looks out into the night, tells me you are gone. Alone at Christmas Time, written just for this recording by the featured artist, trumpeter Gary Mann. All right, let's learn about the album I have chosen for this episode. Gary Mann, Blues for Baby Jesus, the E&E Insurance Christmas album. It's on the Educators and Executive Insurance label, number EE101. It's a vinyl LP album format, was released in 1972, and its genre is jazz. Uh, The back also lists the performers on this album, and I want to read that personnel list to you. Gary Mann on trumpet and valve trombone, Roger Bissell on trombone, Joe Lukasik on clarinet and saxophone, Tom Smith on trumpet on side two only, and I'm only playing one song from side two on this episode, and that will be Christmas Song. Kenny Malone on drums, Pete Wade on guitar, Henry Strzelecki on bass on side one, with Bob Moore on bass on side two, Bill Purcell on piano, electric piano, organ, and sleigh bells, well, the all-important sleigh bells. It was recorded at Woodland Sound Studio in Nashville, Tennessee on August 14th through the 16th, 1972, with the recording engineer Rex Collier, produced and directed by Bill Purcells. Now, let me extend that with some information from a 2011 Unforgettable Christmas Music on Blogspot article about this album. The E&E, that's Educator and Executive Insurance Company of Columbus, Ohio, commissioned the music release Blues for Baby Jesus in 1972 and also released it as catalog EE102 under the title Christmas with Gary Mann. Everything on the back cover is identical except for the name of the album and Mann's photo is not there. Of course, he is on the front cover of the second album. Of course, my dad has both albums and uh, if you are not watching the video, you won't see that. That's exactly what I'm showing right now is both of the albums that I'm talking about. Now let's take a look at some selected paragraphs from the back cover liner notes. Now, these next few lines are in quotes. Let's offer a record, a Dixieland jazz record. You're crazy. There aren't that many Dixieland fans. If we're going to offer a record, it ought to be a Christmas record. Nothing else has brought enough appeal. Okay, then, let's make a Dixieland Christmas record. It couldn't really have happened that way, but you're wrong. That's exactly the way it all got started. 
And the more we thought about it, the more we liked the idea of offering a Christmas record as a premium for an inquiry about E&E automobile insurance. There were some doubters, of course, but on one point, everybody was in agreement. If E&E was going to offer a Christmas record, it had to be good, and it had to be different. It couldn't just be another Christmas record that sounded just like all the Christmas records they already had on a shelf. But how? If If you're insurance people, do you go about making a Christmas record? Or any other record, for that matter. And I am going to pause here and tell you that my dad work, did work for Prudential Insurance for uh, well over a decade. Well, if you're a jazz fan, it helps because you immediately think of Gary Mann. First of all, because he plays the kind of great jazz trumpet you'd like to feature on the record. And secondly, because if you find nothing incongruous about 300-pound elves, Gary is perfect for that role, too. So you call Gary and he likes the idea and he supplies the missing ingredients. Somebody to put it all together. The somebody in this case was Bill Purcell, composer, arranger, director, producer, and according to Gary, quote, at the piano, he's the best there is, baby, unquote. By this time, the concept had been crystallized. One side of the record would be swinging, the other straight. The swinging side would be pop Christmas tunes played as jazz men might play them anywhere, anytime, during the Christmas season. The straight side would be traditional Christmas music played by the same musicians, but played the way they might do them at a Christmas Eve church service. For the straight side, the problem was picking five from the list of many. Everybody had their favorites, but the eventual decision was O Holy Night, Adeste Fidelis, The First Noel, Silent Night, and for a change of pace, Christmas Song. Then came the discussion of the second side. This next uh, dialogue is in quotes. Well, one thing we have to include is that blues thing of Gary's that's never been recorded. Blues for Charlotte. You're crazy. We can't do that. What's Blues for Charlotte got to do with Christmas? Okay, so let's rename it Blues for Baby Jesus. We can't do that. Why not? Well, why not? Jingle Bells, Sleigh Bells, and God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen quickly won approval. As did another tune which has faded from memory because between that morning in Monaca and a morning of the recording session in Nashville six weeks later, Gary wrote another original song just for the album. It's called Alone at Christmas Time. And that is, of course, what you just heard. All right, let's see what value Discogs.com has put on this album. The highest comes in at $8, the lowest at $1, with a median at only $1.90. eBay, anywhere from $4 to $13. They had several copies, but there was not a single copy available on Amazon. Now, my dad's copy, very poor condition. The record itself is pretty scratchy sounding. There's lots of hiss. I don't think I heard any skips from it, though. The album cover is likewise in very poor condition. The album cover has circles from the edges of the record pushing through. The spine has a spot of his famous black electrical tape holding it together. And there's even some other kind of clear tape. It's not scotch holding the bottom together. And I know uh, this record is worn because of how much I used to play it. Uh, But I couldn't put a price on this one. Sorry, not going to do it because the memories from it are just priceless. All right, on to a favorite of carolers for the last 350 years.
God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen is an English traditional Christmas carol with lyrics dating back as far as 1650. That also means nobody knows who wrote it. All right, let's learn a little about the feature artist for this episode. And once again, I couldn't find anything online about this trumpet player. Good thing the liner notes have some information. Once you've listened to the trumpet speaking soulfully over the brass choir on side two and leading the swinging on side one, you're sure to ask, who is this Gary man? Well, the sound speaks for itself. Gary is a great jazz trumpeter. He's also a great showman. And it's no wonder music is in his blood. Born in New Orleans, where else? He grew up in the birthplace of jazz with a father who was solo clarinetist for John Philip Sousa, the Ringling Brothers Circus Band, and the Houston Symphony, and a mother who was a lyric soprano with the Metropolitan Opera. At 13, Gary spent his vacation playing trumpet with the Ben Pollock Orchestra. At 15, after graduating from Gulf Coast Military Academy, he lied about his age and joined the Marines. Kind of like Colonel Potter on MASH lied about his age to get into the cavalry. Stationed in Shanghai, he became aide to Evan, Evans Carlson, who was from Carlson's Raiders. Gary later joined the Flying Tigers, but his flying days ended during a Japanese bombing raid, which left him with punctured eardrums and severe inner ear damage. Returning to the United States, Gary resumed his career in music, playing with such popular bands as Charlie Barnett, Horace Height, and Bob Crosby. Then came Pearl Harbor, and he rejoined the Marines and Evans Carlson. As a Marine captain with Carlson's Raiders, Gary led a squad behind the Japanese lines prior to the invasion of Bougainville. When the squad he was leading was ambushed by the enemy, nine of the ten men were wounded. Gary himself stopped five bullets in the face, two in the spine, and three in the legs. But he inspired his men to rout the enemy and for his heroism was awarded the Navy Cross. Gary spent the next two years in the hospital, undergoing extensive plastic surgery and fighting paralysis in the left side of his face, including his lip. Slowly and laboriously, he taught himself to play the trumpet again, despite the permanently paralyzed lip, but not well enough, he felt, to go back to a musical career. So building on an interest in medicine, which had always existed but had been intensified by his hospital experiences, Gary returned to New Orleans and entered Tulane University. To help pay the bills, he took a job at Brennan's, one of the city's most renowned restaurants. And by the time he had his degree from Tulane Medical School, he had risen from busboy to maitre d'. Gary Mann, the musician, became a highly successful and widely respected orthopedic surgeon. But he never quit on the music either. He continued to practice and overcame the lip paralysis by teaching himself to blow out the side of his mouth. Gradually, the two careers began to merge as Gary practiced surgery during the day and played with his own band at night. And then at the age of 39, he was rocked by a serious heart attack. So again, he made a startling move, abandoning the tension of a surgical practice to return full-time to his first love, music and show business. So in one sense, the story of this album doesn't start with a half-serious dinner conversation less than six months ago. It starts in New Orleans over 50 years ago. But either way, if you agree that Gary, Bill, and seven other fine musicians have proved that Christmas music that sounds different can still sound good, it's a story with a happy ending. Now that was written by a J-A-R, that's it, just the initials, on August 29th, 1972. Still not sure how such an interesting life can't find any space on the internet. All right, c'est la vie. Hmm, here's that horse again.
Even though it says Sleigh Bells on the album, we usually call this song Sleigh Ride. Leroy Anderson's Sleigh Ride is a Christmas standard and one that is easily recognizable by its upbeat melody, sleigh bells, clip-clopping, whip sound, and horse whinny. It's been a hit ever since it was first recorded in 1949 by Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops. But there's more to this piece than meets the eye, or ears. Here are eight cool facts that may make this one of your favorite holiday tunes, if it isn't already. And that leads us to this episode's interesting side note, supplied by ParkerSymphonyOrchestra.com. They happen to be in Colorado. Eight cool facts about Sleigh Ride, posted on November 24, 2018, and written by Sherry Mathias. The original had no words. You've probably heard both the instrumental and sung versions of Sleigh Ride. The original is the orchestral version with no words and was composed in 1948. The lyrics were written by Mitchell Parrish in 1950 and were first recorded by the Andrews Sisters that year. It was written during a heat wave. In 1946, Leroy Anderson and his family were in Woodbury, Connecticut, staying in a cottage on his wife's family's land. He had been released from active duty of the army, uh, active duty in the army, and housing was in short supply. While staying in the cottage, a July heat wave and drought hit. Anderson began composing several tunes, including Sleigh Ride, which he envisioned as a musical depiction of winter long ago. He finished the piece about two years after his family moved to New York City in the winter. It never mentions Christmas. As previously mentioned, the original version did not have words, and since the title is simply Sleigh Ride, there is no reference to Christmas. Parrish's words also make no reference to the holiday. In fact, the only event mentioned in the, in the words is a birthday party at the bridge, and some artists have changed the words there to Christmas party. It has been named most popular, according to ASCAP, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. They named Sleigh Ride the most popular piece of Christmas music in the U.S. for several years, including 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 15. It beat out other songs like the Christmas song Winter Wonderland and Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. It has been translated into several languages. With Anderson's permission, Sleigh Ride has been translated into French, German, Finnish, Swedish, Dutch, and Italian. Interestingly, in Swedish, Sleigh Ride is written as one word. The words were written by a Jewish lyricist. Like many other Christmas songs, including White Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Let It Snow in Winter Wonderland, the words to Sleigh Ride were written by a Jewish lyricist. Mitchell Parrish was born to a Jewish family in Lithuania. His family emigrated to the U.S. in 1901 when he was less than a year old and settled in Louisiana before moving to New York City. The image that is used for the post that I am reading from is by Courier and Ives. And if you happen to be uh, watching the video version, that's what you're looking at. There is a line in the song that's meaning may be obscure to most today like a picture print by Courier and Ives, refers to a printmaking company that produced hand-colored lithographs of popular artwork of the 19th century. The image we used in, in the post is called the Sleigh Ride. The company closed in 1907, 43 years before, before the song lyrics were written. And sometimes it ends with carrots. Sleigh Ride includes a famous horse, Winnie, five bars before the end. The whinny is produced by a trumpet. 
Since the effect is near the ending, a joke with a humorous effect is occasionally played on trumpet players and sometimes the percussionists. When they rise for the applause, they are often presented a bunch of carrots in lieu of roses. And now for that change of pace song from side two. The Christmas Song, originally subtitled Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, and actually originally subtitled simply Merry Christmas to You. It's a classic Christmas song, written in 1945 by Robert Wells and Mel Torme. And according to Torme, the song was written in July during a blistering hot summer. In an effort to stay cool by thinking cool, the most performed Christmas song was born. Now, that one is according to BMI. Quote, I saw a spiral pad on his piano. He's talking about Wells. With four lines written in pencil, Torme recalled. They started chestnuts roasting, Jack Frost nipping, yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos. Bob didn't think he was writing a song lyric. He said he thought if he could immerse himself in winter, he could cool off. Forty minutes later, that song was written. I wrote all the music and some of the lyrics, unquote. The Nat King Cole trio first recorded the song in June 1946. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Man, did this album's music bring back some great memories. It might have been the first album where I really realized that my dad and I really had the same taste in music, just from a two-decade 
difference in perspective. And no matter how much I get annoyed with the constant barrage of Christmas music this time of year, I'll always have this little piece of vinyl heaven to fall back on if I really ever need a holiday music fix, which is really never anymore. I also wanted to thank you, the listener, for listening to season one of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. I can't believe that the first year is over. But stay tuned as I've still got plenty of great music and other selections in season two, including adding over one 178 RPM shellac records my sister and brother-in-law found. Wait until you hear some of this stuff, and I'll be getting shellacked every last Sunday of the month with a couple of exceptions. Okay, time for that title track.
It's Blues for Baby Jesus, written by trumpeter Gary Mann. And there you have selections from an album I stole from my dad's collection on and off over the years, but is rightfully now back where it belongs. So thanks for tuning into Volume 52, Blues for Baby Jesus, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week to begin Season 2 with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 53, Dancing Room for the New Year. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>